You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. I'm trying to be louder than the music, and it's not easy to do. <laughs> it's very loud. Um, hi. How are you? Welcome to the show. My name's Ryan. I put on a show sometimes. Um, so we got some calls, man. People just keep calling me. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm just like that friend, you know, everybody's like when they got problems, they just call me. I just have that personality. Everyone's like, I should, I want to reach out to him because he has the answers, you know, he can fix my life. And I do, but it's just, I don't know. It's a big responsibility to be the most important person in so many people's lives, you know what I mean? But I do it and I do it really well. So anyways, we have just a handful of leftovers from the other day when there were a billion callers. We'll do those first. Um... Then we'll get to the new callers. Again, kind of a new format here. Um, no more paying to get people off the air because that wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. Um, and I will be the one doing all the filtering. I'm not going to play every single call, although we're kind of getting back to the point where I need to because there's not as many calls. But um, again, things get weird sometimes, and it doesn't need to get that weird. So, Anyways, let's start it off with the uh, first caller from the day previously and uh, see what's going on. Oops, I gotta I gotta change the sentence because nobody can hear it but me. Go ahead. Hey, when you're going over the Vikings roster and kind of what you expect from them this season, and I know that you certainly touched on this in your NFC North pass rusher depth podcast, which was fantastic. Thanks. Um, can we look a little bit at exactly how much? Zedarius regressed from 2019 to 2020. Turn it up a little bit. Part of why I'm asking is because I'm still looking for some uh, confirmation, you know, for when I was trying to say we shouldn't bring Zedarius back in 2021. Right. I'm still trying to find, like, a little bit of confirmation that that was the correct call to not bring him back. It was certainly... You know, the the way things shook out with his injuries, you know, you could point to that and say it was fluky. But that was also a big part of why I didn't want to bring him back was the injury concerns. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm I'm trying to get to that spot on here right now. So I wasn't super paying attention. I'm trying to get over to PFF and look at his stats. There was giant regression. And this is if you listen to the show, you've kind of heard me talk about this. It really flew under the radar for several reasons. First of all, 2019 was under he was underappreciated for how good he was um you know he he was maybe the best pass rusher in all of football it was it was insane what Zedarius was doing and he didn't even go to the pro bowl it was all it was a whole joke 
Then the next year, because he got snubbed the year before, I think he kind of was graced into it. You know, like, all right, we messed up. He had two years in a row. We got to kind of let him in this time. So that was part of it. He went to the Pro Bowl in 2020 and not 2019. So the assumption is, I guess, 2020 is better. The sacks really didn't drop off. He was still kind of a stud. But it really didn't give the full picture. And I don't think people really realized how different it was. And it it is important and relevant because I think Packer fans and and Vikings fans and everybody's kind of out there wondering what Zedarius is for the Vikings also. You know, some people think 2019 and 2020, which their version of 2020 Zedarius is the same as 2019. They look at that as the same guy. And then 2021, he was hurt. So in 2022, he's going to be that same powerhouse that he was. But again, that's not maybe the best way to view it. Zedarius Smith had, um, if you look at how many pressures he had on the season, Daniil Hunter had 97, Nick Bosa had 102, Zadarius Smith had 105. And and Bosa and Zadarius had like the exact same amount of, of pressures. Daniil Hunter actually had more than Bosa and Smith coming in with less pressures. Cam Jordan, who's after that 84 pressures, which is a massive drop-off. It's 21 less than Zadarius had. And he had, let's see, uh, 10, 20, 30-ish more pressure attempts, pass rush attempts. But the the real crazy thing is if you look at his 105 pressures divided by his 594 attempts, that put him puts him at 17.7%. And again, this these are the kinds of numbers that guys get once in their career. And when I say guys, I don't mean guys like Zadarius. Guys like Zadarius are never supposed to have seasons like this. This is guys like Khalil Mack will have this once, maybe twice in their career. You know, the guys like the Watts. There are guys like um, Miles Garrett who have never had pressure rates this high. Not yet, anyways. On top of that, he had the 18 sacks, and that's PFF sacks. I don't know what the official sack numbers are. If you look at his true pass sets that year, which is, again, kind of reducing, getting rid of all the double teams and all that. Because remember, I think in 2020, Zadarius was the most double-teamed person, whatever, which a lot of people will point to and say that's why he, you know, his, his stats went down. He's still just as good as ever. We'll get to that in a minute. But if you look at his true pass sets, which remove those, he got a pressure 22.4% of the time. 12 sacks, 13 hits, 36 hurries. Again, tied with Nick Bosa. Zadarius Smith and Nick Bosa were tied at the hip. Nick Bosa had a elite, elite, elite year, and the stats are almost identical to Zadarius. Zadarius had four more sacks, four more hits, a couple less hurries. The win rate, 18% for Bosa compared to 21.5% for Zadarius Smith. True pass sets, they both had exactly 61 pressures, exactly 12 sacks, both of them. Bosa's win rate was slightly higher, 27.6 compared to 26.1. So the, the point is, Zadarius was arguably the best pass rusher in football in 2019. So when I say he regressed, part of it is, is, is we overhyped him as it was, and part of it is we underhyped him in 2019. So, you know, when you bring down the high and bring up the low, the two seasons look relatively close together. Really, what we need to do is view have a higher view of 2019 and a lower view of 2020 to really see that's quite a drop-off. So let's look at 2020. Now, it's easy to find Zedarius in 2019 because you just click to sort by total pressures and he's number one on the list. If you do that in 2020, he drops down to 11th, which doesn't sound that crazy aside from the fact that he has more attempts than just about everybody in front of him except Shaquille Barrett. Even more staggering, though, his pressure percentage was 9.6%. It was below 10%. Now, again, he was double-teamed a ton. 
So that accounts for a massive portion. I think it was he and J.J. Watt were the top two most double-teamed players on the defensive line or edge rushers or defensive tag. I don't know. But even still, when you look at his true pass sets, which again eliminates things like double teams, his pressure rate, we're talking one-on-one opportunities, nothing crazy going on, 11.2%. That's not even that good, just generally speaking, 11%. His win rate was, uh, let's see, 15.5%. He ranked 25th. In terms of true pass sets, it's even worse. 45th he ranked. Rashawn Gary ranked 14th. So while Rashawn was getting basically crapped on for being a bust, he's not jack squad, Zadarius is the answer. Rashawn was miles ahead of Zadarius Smith in his second year and Zadarius's second year. Not in terms of opportunities, but in terms of what they did with their opportunities, Rashawn was significantly better. Rashawn had 13.2% pressure rate, which is quite high. I mean, 12 is good. You get above 12 to 13, 14, 15, that's really significant. And then you get 17, 18, 19, whatever. That's stupid crazy, which, by the way, Rashawn in year three was at 18, which is a category that, you know, maybe probably less than a dozen pass rushers have ever seen. So, you know, I mean, it's just the numbers are what the numbers are in terms of his sacks. Yeah, 14 sacks. He tied for second with Trey Hendrickson and Miles Garrett. I mean, it's he's up there one spot behind TJ Watt ahead of, you know, some of the other top tier guys. I mean, you know, when you look at sacks, it's right there. His pass rush grade was an 84, but on a play to play basis, it was a significant drop off. He went from best in football to, you know, good, not great. And so I, you know, I know that was your 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 big thing about 2021, not bringing him back. Um, obviously hindsight with the injury, of course, it's really hard to say whether that was the right call. I, I still don't know. I wasn't with you when you said it, even though I knew, you know, that the, the drop off was there. I knew that the end was coming. Um, but I also was still kind of in the closing window need to make a push. He might not be what he was, but he's still, he's still incredibly important to the team. I mean, honestly, if we could put him back on our team right now, I would, I mean, maybe not for the price he he's asking or whatever, but um, we could certainly use them. Even at 2020 levels, it would be nice. Minus the locker room drama and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. But there's some ammunition to continue using. But I think for me, it's more interesting looking into the Vikings. What is Zadarius? Because prior to the Packers, he wasn't super great. You know, he's a, he's a I think, 12%er kind of guy in terms of pressure, which is fine, which is great. Then he blew up, which was fake. That was never going to... I I said... Never in a million years is he going to replicate this, and he didn't. But he crashed down a little harder than I thought. So it's like, what is he? Well, 2021 should have given us a better picture, but he didn't play. He was injured. So now he's another year older. He's coming off an injury. It's a brand new team, similar outside linebacker coach and whatnot, and, and Petten's still there. But it's really hard to say what, what you're going to get from Zadarius. I don't know, but that, that's sort of the interesting facet of that for me. Uh, what do we got? Let's go with Garrett. Hey, Ryan, this is Garrett. Hey. Hey, uh, I'm kind of concerned about Goose. He didn't sound like himself. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if he's a little depressed that Trudeau is uh, rationing their maple syrup. Oh, yeah. Or maybe he forgot to hit the record button on the VCR to uh, tape the new episode of the Red Green Show. Yeah. Or maybe his wife overcooked the Canadian bacon and dried it out a little bit too much last night. Yeah, the ham. Uh, Which reminds me, hey, Goose, talk to me, Goose. Um, 
do you guys call it Canadian bacon or do you just call it bacon? That's a good question. And what do you call American bacon? Do you call it superior bacon, <laughs> better bacon, or do you just call it bacon? Just curious. Have a great weekend, Ryan. These are fantastic Canada questions. Um, is there such a thing as maple syrup depression? Not sure. Um, you know, the, the, the Canadian bacon thing, it would be weird if they called it Canadian bacon, wouldn't it? Do we say American anything? I guess there's American cheese. We, we call it American cheese. We don't just call it cheese. So I guess that's a thing. I don't know. Uh, Goose, you're going to have to uh, maybe re-listen to that, jot those down. America wants to know. The world wants to know. All right, next up. Well, I, I guess I don't need to announce it. Next up is... Get out of my way. Oh, my goodness. This is a disaster. Hey, Ryan. Steve again from camp up in Alaska. Hey. No, I'm kind of blowing up your phone, but I was listening to yesterday's right. show and uh, hearing everybody giving you a hard time about the whole vegetable thing and yeah. vegan stuff and all that. And you know. You're bringing up how vegetables just aren't a main dish. And I'll tell you what. That's the absolute truth. My first year working up here, I worked for an employee dining for one of the hotels, and I had, like, seven vegetarians and a vegan. Vegan was a pain in the ass. Um, but seven vegetarians, and it didn't matter what I made for them, and they would complain about the fact that it always seemed like a side dish for everybody else. And I told them, I said, listen, I can make you the best vegetable dish you've ever seen. As soon as I put a chicken leg next to it, it's a side dish. So, yeah, you're, you're right on. There's nothing you can do about vegetables but being a side dish because meat's the main course. All right, man, you have a good one. That's, that's another great point. It, it just can't compete. It tries to, you know, again, the, the vegans and everything, they try to dress it up. They try to make it sound fancy. They try to make it, you know, like, oh, this can be wonderful. It's just not. It's not. There's nothing you can do. And like I said, you take, and you, you even said chicken, which is, which is, let's be honest, as far as meat goes, probably not the best meat in the world, you know? Plain old chicken leg. Um, I mean, it's, it's good. But, yeah, you slap it next to a whatever amazing quote-unquote vegetable dish and the vegetables are the side instantly that's what it always i mean when i was a kid it was it was a meat and potatoes family which is to say usually a general meal was meat potato and a vegetable that's what it was and the vegetable was the thing you had to just choke down because your parents made you do it because it was good for you and it's just part of having a well-rounded meal and all that stuff so yeah i, I don't think it's really even debatable and it's silly that people try to and, and again don't try to dress if you want to do crazy i've done so many crazy stupid diets but you know what i don't do try to convince everybody that what i'm doing is like the most amazing thing in the world and it's better than what everybody else no what i'm doing sucks it's awful except maybe when i did atkins atkins was pretty dope i wasn't like an atkins apologist evangelist like dude it's the greatest thing i mean obviously it's not hard to sell yeah i just eat like meat all the time it's amazing but, I mean, if you want bread, you can't have it, and that's worse than not having the option if you so choose. But it's still, as far as diets go, that's pretty freaking awesome. I struggle with it now a little bit more than I used to. When I was a teenager, it didn't bother me even a little bit. I did it back when Atkins was all the rage, and I did it with, like, my whole family. And especially the women in my family really struggled with, like, the carbs and the sweets. And I was like, dude, I don't care. And Grandma was footing the bill, so it was, it was easy. We go out to restaurants all the time. She'd order like three cheeseburgers. So you, I mean, you go to a restaurant. I mean, McDonald's is one thing, but like a sit-down restaurant to get like two burger meals. It was, it was. I'm sure it was kind of a pain to put my order together. But yeah, I just, I'd get like two patties with two things of cheese, and I'd devour it. And like, dude, that was the best meal I've ever had. So good. 
But generally, it's just horrible. I've done fasting diets. It's not fun. It's hard and it's painful. But you know what? I'm fat and I'm trying to figure out how to not be fat. And this is the best way to do it because I like eating lots of good food. And so if I have to choose between three garbage small meals or one really good meal, I'm going to go with that one really big meal and just suffer the rest of the day because that's my choice. But suffering is the thing that I'm doing. And I'm not trying to pretend it's something that it's not. It's suffering. And if you're a vegan, it's not because it's so amazing. You're choosing to suffer. And I'm sure it's for a great cause, and congratulations on being a great human being, but you're choosing to suffer. It's horrible. It's gross. It's disgusting. Stop pretending. Just be honest. You ever see that, um, I always think of that episode with uh, Married with Children, when Peggy wants to go on a diet, and uh, kind, of, kind of gets Al to do it with, with her, and she's trying to convince everybody how amazing it is, and she's like eating lettuce and carrots. She's talking about how carrots have a natural sweetness, and she is just so angry and miserable, but she's trying to convince everybody that her meal is better than everybody. That's exactly what we're dealing with. And again, suffer in silence. Nobody cares. Go be miserable by yourself. Put the megaphone down. Nobody cares. Hello, Ryan. I was just wondering if you could be told with 100% certainty that the Packers were going to win the Super Bowl this year, what would you think would be the biggest key contributions to the winning season this year. So, like Quay Walker stepping up, the cornerback stepping up, our defense, obviously those kinds of things. Just wanted to hear your kind of take on that. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye. That's really hard to answer because no matter what the answer is, there's an example of that didn't cut it. Like, my first thought was if the defense really steps up, but that literally happened last year. The defense could not have been any better in that game. And... um we lost. And so the only thing I can think is to go back to the little rant that I did, I don't know, a week ago or so when Tunyon did a show with what's his name who drives around in that Budweiser bus, you know, the guy, but he was just kind of talking about how like the, the Packers like just didn't believe in themselves. Like we won 13 games, but we just, we didn't really believe in ourselves. (laughs) Oh, it made me so angry. It didn't necessarily mean everybody, but I, I, I just, All I can think of is they need to have this killer instinct that the defense has and had last year and continues to have. I think the offense is lacking that. It's it's confidence, but it's more than confidence. It is knowing definitively that we are the biggest dogs here. We're the biggest, we're the meanest, we're the fastest, we're better than all of you. It's not debatable. If you dare step foot on in our stadium we are going to absolutely annihilate you. Because the fact of the matter is we've had people come into our stadium and embarrass us while we play like, we act like the little brother in our own house. So I don't, I don't know what you call that. I think, I think that was what Coach Hahn referred to as grit. Maybe he was talking about something else. But I remember at one point I couldn't find the words and he said grit is the thing. But it's, it's whatever it is that Jair Alexander carries with him every second of every day. The thing that Rashawn Gary has with him. I don't, th- I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers really has that. Aaron Rodgers has a lot of things, but we don't have to pretend like he has every single amazing attribute that every human being could possibly have. He's not a flawless person. Let's just knock that off. Because I know that's, in- oh, how dare you? You're an idiot. How could you? <laughs> right, because Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a single flaw as a human. Give me a break. I don't think he has that. I think the offense has an identity issue in which when things start to go poorly, they just crumble. And Rodgers is a key component to that. It's so one of the things I like about Jordan Love, at least so far, he doesn't care. He's, he's emotionless. Now, it's not the key. I don't see the killer instinct part. That's, that's something that would need to be added. 
but he doesn't crumble under pressure. He's not out there rolling his eyes and, and throwing his hands up at his wide receivers and putting his ha- hands on his hips and sh- sinking his head down, just shaking his head, just portraying to the offense, you guys suck, we suck, I hate this, I don't want to be here, and just emanating this energy. You think Aaron Rodgers would understand about you know energy and whatever chi kind of stuff he's into. He's putting out bad energy, putting out bad vibes, if you will. And I, I, the other thing that I think is important, and, and the defense has done this, they have disconnected from Aaron Rodgers in the offense. That's something that previous teams did not. Aaron Rodgers was everything. And if he was having a bad day, everybody from the offensive line to the, to the safeties stopped playing well because their complete identity was wrapped up in Aaron Rodgers. The defense doesn't care anymore. Aaron Rodgers can pout how, as long as he wants, but the defense goes out, they have their own identity. And they can continue to have that energy. That's how they play so well despite everything going so horribly. Uh, last year in the playoffs. We need other guys to have that. The offensive line, I don't give a crap how Aaron Rodgers is feeling. You can hang your head all you want because all I care about is this guy in front of me is going to get absolutely destroyed. Sorry, didn't hear you. I was busy burying this guy's skull into the 20-yard line. And there is an element of, of wanting guys to, to chirp a little bit, you know? I mean, I, I, I think that can get carried away and I think that can be a negative, but you know, there, there isn't a lot of wide receiver swag either. I mean, it's cool because they, they keep their head down and they're humble and they do all this stuff, but I feel like the, the strength of character is it can get kind of overwhelmed by Aaron Rodgers. His personality overpowers everything. And so you can get all hyped up and all excited and everything else, and then you run a route and you drop a pass and Aaron Rodgers just exudes this energy of, I freaking hate you, you're a loser. And that guy sinks into himself and he's done for the rest of the day. That's not what we need. And I'm not just blaming Aaron Rodgers. I'm just saying, this isn't what we need. Have you seen what good teams look like? They're flying around. They're, they, they, I I don't know the words. They're confident. They know they're better than you. I think the Packers sometimes happen to be better than you. They don't know that they're better than you. They don't act like they're better than you. And, and part of that you can see in the scores, right? That's one of the things. They don't run up the scores on people. You know, they, they, they get a lead and then they coast. What are you doing? You knock them to the ground and you stomp and you stomp and you stomp. You are merciless. Forget the W. We're beyond that. We're going to embarrass you. We're going to traumatize you so that the next time you step foot on our field, you're going to have to be treated for post-traumatic stress. You're going to be having flashbacks. They don't do that. They're very polite. You know, it, it just... They just seem like they're, there's never a time where it's like, man, they're just coasting right now. It's just easy. They're just cutting through this team. You know, they'll go get up by seven. The next drive, they go three and out. And it's like, you know, how many times you look at the Buffalo Bills, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at the Patriots, you look at all these teams. When they're better than you, they're better than you on every drive. And we score, and then we score, and then we score, and then we score, and then we score. And it's 42 to 14 by the end of the game. The Packers don't do that. They have to. I think for too long they've, they've been about, we just got to get the W. That's the most important thing. Just win. Just win. Just winning isn't good enough. It's not. It's good enough for the regular season. It's good enough to get you a, a really high record and, you know, 13 wins and all that stuff. But if you're not a, a, a serial killer through the regular season, it's not going to carry into the postseason because you're just trying to finesse yourself a win and you've got an absolute psychopath on the other side that's bludgeoning you over and over and over and you cower. New t-shirt. The playoffs aren't for winners, it's for serial killers. <laughs> winners are losers. Teams that just find a way to win are not teams that are good enough to win in the postseason. There has to be something else. But uh, caller number five, let's see what accent we got for uh, for us today. Hi, Ryan. This is caller number five. What's the game? 
Yeah, I didn't mean to disappoint or get you cancelled on the last one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean. It was uh, it was just a little camp one that I like to do. Um, and then I wanted to, you know, I can't do Jamaican or South African or even uh, Australian. You know, it was difficult for me. Uh, they turned into something else after a while. But um, what I wanted to, to talk about was the Asian American. Are you trying to get me cancelled? You want me to do an Asian American accent, huh? I mean, I can do a fake Japanese. Let me, let me give you a little preview of fake Japanese here. Here we go. So, you ready? Onio to sinio karai. Mono to. So, that's a lot of fake Japanese for you. I can do that. I don't have any idea what I'm saying, but uh, it sounds pretty good, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, I do have a bone pit with uh, Tom Olsen. Let me oh, get we into go. that. Um, but, but I'm going to give you a different call because I want to use a different accent for that one. Um, uh, so, I'm going to give you a call back. All right? No questions today. Just hope you're having a good Saturday. Uh, I hope you're having a good uh, good time. And eat a lot eat a lot of meat today, you know. Go have a steak or some ribs or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's all I have for now. So I'm thinking that's Cockney, right? I know there's a lot of different dialects in uh, England, but that's like the, the Londoner. What is it you think you're doing, brother? That whole thing, I think. You know what's actually funny? I was looking into uh, the Cockney accent. There's there's several layers to it, and then there's this weird thing they do. They, they they've got their own language, but it's like it's it's almost like a secret code. So just as an example, and I'm completely making this up, but this is how their their this whole thing works with the the London dialect. There's a word that you want to say, and then you find a word that rhymes with it. So like for pies, you could say fries. However, you put it together in like a a two parter. So instead of saying pies, you would say burger and fries. So there's a thing where, and I'm not saying this, is, this isn't one of their things. I'm just making it up to give you an example of how it would work. So if, if I wanted to say, come over to my house to eat some pies, which I know the, the, the plural kind of makes it weird, but I'm just trying to think of something off the top of my head. Come over and eat some pies. I would say, come over and eat some burger and fries. But then you could drop the rhyming word. It's a bad example because burgers are also food. Let's say instead of car, it would be black tar. So you could say something like, I was driving my black tar. But then you drop the word tar. So they would just say something like, I've been driving around my black. You're like, what the heck is a black? Well, black tar, you know, car. So, so, so they've got this whole language and, and like hundreds, I guess, of these things that they just know. And, and comple- seemingly completely random because they're like puzzles that are impossible to solve. Somebody just ran into the back of my black. What? So anyways, I do like it. It's kind of interesting, too, because it, it used to be kind of like a working class uh, dialect that um, was seen as, you know, like lower class and people would try to hide it. Remember from The Office, Nellie? She said, uh, she, she t- says how she used to talk. I used to talk like this. It's bloody horrendous, isn't it? That's, that's what she was saying. She was hiding her, essentially her Cockney accent or whatever. But now it's kind of like a cool thing because you got like the, what's that one guy's name? Like a really cool action star. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, Jason Statham. So now it's kind of like a cool, hardcore accent, whereas it used to be just like, you know, I don't know, I guess poor and trashy, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, let's see uh, what caller number five had to say about Tom. Hello, Ryan. This is caller number five once again. Hey. I wanted to talk to Tom Austin for a moment because, you know, I did not, I did not consider him a coward, but after yesterday's performance, I must say I was surprised. First of all, Tom, I'm talking to you now. This is how you do a proper high-class accent. Um, you can do it with a British annotation or, or, or American inflection. Either way works, really. But I wanted to address 
to the fact that you clearly gave up yesterday. You didn't ask your silly questions like, for example, which of the Tigers running backs can make the best ham sandwich is something I would expect out of you. Uh, instead, you tucked your tail between your legs and ran, it seems. Uh, you, you called in a, a number of times with nothing to add because you were afraid you would be taken off the platform, as it were. I don't like that. I think that you um, you claim to own the podcast, you claim it's yours, so take ownership. As they say in the States, haters be damned. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. I look forward to your response and your questions. Have a good one. Ryan, you take care as well, my friend. Uh, to to you. There you go. A little pep talk for Tom Austin. By the way, I believe that's called high RP. RP is like your normal BBC British accent. The elevated or high RP is the uh, super posh stuff that nobody really sounds like anymore except maybe the Queen of England or something. But I tend to agree with him, Tom. Block out the noise, man. Keep it coming. Speaking of, Tom Austin coming in hot. Hello, Ryan. This is Thomas Austin calling with a quirky question. A quirky question? It's more about historical... Oh, boy. What's the... I'm not even going to try to find a word for it. I'm going to rephrase it. Historical's good. When looking back through history, which group on the field, which position group, uh, is the least important? Like if all your team, like if your team has working on all cylinders everywhere else and it just falls to the wayside in this one area, which area is that? All right. Okay, so I get to pick a team, and this team is like, you know, at least eight out of ten at every position, but one of them is going to be like a two out of ten, and I got to pick a position. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to do special teams, and I don't even know if I would pick special teams, to be honest, as much as everyone pretends like it's the dumbest thing and nobody cares. Um, I don't know if I want a two out of ten puncher. I certainly don't want a two out of ten kicker. I'm not dealing with that. Kickoffs. Field goals, extra points, way too important. Uh, and returner, I can't do that, even though, you know, if two out of ten, which it doesn't, meant just catch it and don't do anything, fine, I'm fine with that, but it doesn't. It means it bounces off your face and goes to the other team. Um, certainly can't be quarterback. I don't think I can do offensive line because that's a weakest link position. You've got one garbage player, and uh, your whole offensive line sucks. Running back is tempting. We've had bad running backs before. A guy that just, he doesn't really do anything. He gets three yards consistently. He he can run until he gets to the first defender, until he gets to basically where the offensive line is and he goes down. It's not fun. It's not exciting, but it's still something. It still works. You can still pass the ball effectively. And again, we're assuming we have a great quarterback, great wide receivers, great offensive line. Who cares? Um, and I'm also thinking we're, we're talking entire groups. We're not talking about, well, I'll take the wide receiver three. And then we're talking wide receivers. I don't think we can do wide receivers. Um, definitely not defensive line. Definitely not edge. Definitely not corners. I don't think I want to do safety. I would consider linebacker, though. Again, it's a weakness. It's going to be a weakness. But you're telling me we got a really good pass rush. I mean, dominant, elite defensive front. Pick your favorite, you know. Philadelphia Eagles back in the day, um, the Bears, the what were some just scary defensive lines? '96 Packers, the Reggie, and we got completely locked down, shut down corners and some great safeties. So what? What? What is it we can't do? Having some trip trouble 
uh, covering running backs out of the backfield, tight ends occasionally. I'm sure we'll figure it out. Well, again, we're going to drop one of the linebackers and put in a third safety, which is a great eight out of 10 safety. So I'm, I'm leaning toward running back. I mean, it's going to suck no matter what, but I, I think, I think it's still a team you win a Super Bowl with, which makes me sad because we have very good running backs and I take pride in that. But I, I think that's maybe the right answer. I'd be, I'd be uh, open to suggestion on that. All right, man. Random question just from fantasy football. Oh, no. The league I'm in is getting ready to start up in, uh, around Labor Day. Blah, blah. All right. Um, so if you had to keep one of three players, who would it be? Stefan Diggs, Matt Stafford, or Aaron Jones? Which one of the three would be your top pick for uh, a team, fantasy or otherwise? All righty. Thank you. Go, Pat, go. See, I'm, again, I'm, I'm the absolute wrong guy. Um, and I've, I've never done I'm, – I'm guessing this is like from a keeper thing. You, you can only keep one of these. I've, I don't know the strategy behind that, so I'm not sure the best thing to do. I know general – generally with fantasy football, one of the – problems is there's there's not enough premium running backs and and I'm sure if you were to ask a professional they'd want to know how many people were in your league because that makes a difference if there's only a handful of guys and there might be enough running backs to go around I don't know um I don't see the benefit of keeping Matt Stafford you can pick up a quarterback and probably be fine maybe I'm wrong I don't know the the fantasy football value as opposed to quality of the quarterback are two different things um Stephon Diggs I'm sure is incredibly valuable and obviously you're worried about Aaron Jones with the addition of you know, AJ Dillon, but, but I think Aaron Jones value probably even goes up with Devonte leaving. So, I mean, that, that's my automatic answer, but there's probably people out there going, no, no, in this situation, you do this strategy. I don't know. I, all I know is running backs are at a premium. Aaron Jones is one of the few top tier running backs that you want to hang on to. Um, and so that would probably be where I would go with that. But again, I, I really don't know how all that works. Um, why don't we take a break right here? Call into the show, 608-501-0718. Support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We will take a break. We will be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, Pack Pac Daddy. Hey. Packer Superfam. Hey, just listening to the pod this morning, uh, heard your... Um, um, discussion about uh, Jordan Love and his, his performance and his quarterback rating, or I'm sorry, his PFF rating uh, and whatnot. And you know your 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 comments about the fact that we don't know what he is as far as as an overall quarterback yet. Absolutely true. We have no idea what he's going to be long term. I would agree with that 100%. But if you think about it, that's really not the question right now at 1265. I mean, for Gutekunst and for the floor, the question is, has he done enough to be the guy moving forward, or at least has he done enough to be the guy that they're going to give an opportunity uh, to be the guy moving forward? You know, obviously with his contract situation, they've got to make a decision this year at some point um, if he is or he isn't. And I, for one, have seen enough. I think he absolutely is the next guy. I think he absolutely is the guy that deserves that opportunity to be the next guy. Um, and, you know, if you just look at his PFF grades alone, these last two preseason games, you know, they got to be pretty happy up at 1265, what they're seeing from Jordan Love right now. And again, like I said, I, I think he's the guy that's going to get the opportunity. Is he going to be long-term great quarterback? You're absolutely right. We have no idea. But he certainly deserves that opportunity, I think, at this point. Um, obviously, this last preseason game will be key for him if he can pull out another performance similar to what he did uh, this last week against New Orleans. Again, he just solidifies what I think. I think he absolutely deserves to be the next guy to get the opportunity. Oh, there you go. Thanks. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that is a good point in terms of the right question is, has he done enough? But I don't think, I don't think there's been an answer. Here, here's what I think has happened. Prior to this preseason, we knew based on what he had shown, he is not the guy. 
Now, that's different than saying we know definitively he will never be the guy. What I'm saying is prior to this preseason, everything we've seen has told us he doesn't have what it takes to be a starting quarterback. He barely has what it takes to be a backup. He is just bad at football. With the caveat that maybe at some point he can grow and get better and everything else. Now what we have seen, despite all the haters and everything everybody wants to say, what we have seen from Jordan Love, especially this past week, is a guy capable of leading an offense. There's nothing, there's no remaining questions in terms of his ability. Every single thing you can go down the line and say, I want to see this, 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 he's shown it. I can't think of one thing. I mean, the, the deep pass accuracy is out of control. He has thrown some beautiful deep passes. He has thrown to double covered guys. He has made beautiful reads. The timing of his throws, the footwork. And then, of course, there's the end zone throw, which wasn't caught, but to scramble around. I mean, how many times have we seen Aaron Rodgers do that? And that's a highlight for decades. And we, we put the little caption in there, only Aaron Rodgers can make this throw, which isn't necessarily true, but it's, it's to some degree true. And a couple of those Rodgers throws, it might be true, but, you know, 75%, that's not exactly true. But to scramble around and, and almost three times get sacked and to be able to get away from it, and to be honest, I'm looking at it going, you do one more spin move and we're going to lose 25 yards. You need to figure something out here. And for him to get away one more time, barely plant his feet, throw off his back foot across his body, and to get that ball perfect. And again, if you don't believe me, I'll show you. I, 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 I took a picture and sent it to a Bears fan, and he, he wouldn't accept it because of the one foot was off. If you back it up one frame, it's even more obvious. His two feet are down. His arms are both at 90-degree angles. He's barely angled out of bounds, and that ball is at his hands. It's not true that it was too far out. It's not even close to true. It could not have been any more perfectly placed. Um, it, it was. It was. It's. It's above and beyond what you would expect from a quarterback. In other words, if you put on the list, here are the things you have to do to be able to do a, to be a quarterback. That's not really on the list. It's nice. It's a perk. But oh my goodness! And by the way, you know what else we really haven't seen? We haven't really seen the what the heck was that type throws. No more than you would see from Aaron Rodgers in a typical game. You know, the one where, where you overthrow a guy by 10 yards and it goes right into the safety's arms and you go, yeah, this guy just, does. you know, he, he almost had me for a second there. I thought he was going to do something and then he didn't. Then he's back to the same old guy, the same old da 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 He's been steady Eddie down the field. And, and again, it's not perfect, but zero quarterbacks in the history of football have ever been perfect. So we can't answer the question definitively, and Mike kind of talked about that a little bit, we don't know because you need to have enough time and there hasn't been enough time, but he has shown enough to at least be given the opportunity to try. And if it blows up in our face and it doesn't work, oh well, I guess we're finding a new guy. And we draft a guy and, and Jordan probably is going to end up competing and he may win that job because whoever it is we draft, you know, who's to say he's any good in year one? Maybe Jordan gets a second credit. I, I don't know. But I, I do agree. We have, we have, this, this is a major transformation as far as I'm concerned with Jordan Love. Whereas, pr again, prior to the preseason, everything we saw said, this guy will never, will never, I mean, he's Brett Hundley. It's just, it's Brett Hundley 2.0. It's, 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 it, it might even be Kaiser. It might be Kaiser bad. You know, there's, there's glimmers, which is why it's probably closer to Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley made a couple good throws. A little bit of athleticism mixed in. You know, you kind of like certain things with him, but it just, it was never going to be a thing. Whether it was preseason, regular season, you watch the guy and you just go, it's, there's something missing, man. It's just not there. That has changed 180 degrees, and, and it's true. It's just preseason. Well, that's all he has. He doesn't have more time than he has. We can't give him an entire NFL season worth of time before we determine what we have in him. And based on the opportunities that we've given him, and there's one more game coming up, 
and and hopefully that's not a disaster. But if he's able to do it again, there's no question. He's the guy. Whenever the time comes, he's the guy. Not to say we know he's going to be elite, just to say he has, he has done enough to earn the opportunity. That would be my stance on that. Hola, Thomas again. Hey, Thomas. Uh, number one, who, in your eyes, are the most entertaining teams in the NFL today? A follow-up to that would be, what makes an entertaining team? Follow-up to that is, why is it better to be a little less entertaining in the NFL? I feel... Uh, I feel like you have a very specific answer to your own question, and I'm not sure what that is. The only thing I could think is sometimes drama is entertaining. You know, OBJ was entertaining when he was a, a nut bar. Antonio Brown is entertaining. So it's it's nice to not have that. Um, I'm trying to think what makes a team that is not the Packers entertaining, and, and it's really exciting football players. It's the exciting quarterbacks, whether that be Pat Mahomes or a guy like Lamar, who's not only got a cannon for an arm, but can run. You know, th- those guys are fun to watch. More so than, you know, Matt Stafford, I guess. At least for me. I don't know. Maybe some people just like a guy that can... I'm sure, you know, former quarterbacks love watching the, the operation, you know. Peyton Manning wants to sit down and watch watch a guy go to work. Make that right read to get that eight-yard curl route. Just clean. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really... I mean, it, it could be a lot of different things. I mean, the Legion of Boom was entertaining. It sucked. I didn't like going against them, but it, it's, it's cool to watch what feels like historic thing. And, and I guess a good question would be, what, what is the thing right now that's happening that feels historic? I don't know if there's a thing. We don't really have a Legion of Boom right now. We don't have like a, what was it, the, was it 2019, 2018 Chiefs kind of thing, or 2011 Packers, or um, some of the other just pure powerhouse, even, even players. I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor, he's a thing, but I don't know that it's, it hasn't really risen to that to that level, in my opinion. I think it has a lot to do with workload. You know, he's not like Barry Sanders or even Antonio Brown, where it's just fun to watch. Or at least for me, I, I haven't really noticed it. I mean, if if I'm watching that team, I'm certainly going to want to key in on him and see how he does. Derrick Henry was kind of that guy for a while, but you know, because he's large and and just crushes people. But he kind of has dipped off a, a tiny bit. Pat Mahomes again was was that guy for a while. I don't know that he is anymore. Tyreek Hill was. I don't know if he's going to be. I feel like there's kind of a void right now. There's there is no Megatron. We don't have like a you know a ninety one forty niners or ninety six Packers. You know the the what what the two thousand Rams or something. You know just this just this this thing that feels unstoppable. What would that even be? I don't know. But but to me, I think that's what's entertaining. Whether it's a player, you know, Megatron was that guy, but the team obviously was not unbeatable. But Megatron is that guy. Was that guy? But even like Devontae, I, I don't think he ever really reached that level in terms of just, you know, it, maybe it's just perception. I don't really know. I don't know. But I can't think of a thing, not a single quarterback, wide receiver, running back that, that reaches that like once in a generation feel right now. The teams where you, you've got either an offense or a defense or something that just feels like this is the greatest thing ever. What would that even be right now? You know, the Rams were, you know, a, a powerhouse for a little bit. You know, the, the Bills kind of feel a little scary, but they kind of fluctuated a little bit. Same with the Chiefs. They, they have glimmers of being scary, but it's just not the same. But that would be generally my answer to the question is that that's what's entertaining. You kind of come to see the circus. 
the freaks, the, 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 when you're witnessing history. Otherwise, it's just a football game. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a Jaguars fan, so a mildly talented Jaguars player, I don't super care. There's talented people everywhere. Every team has talented players. Some, some teams have about a dozen of them. I don't care. You know, even guys like Justin Jefferson, who I think is really, really talented. So what? Even if he's the best wide receiver, he's, he's the best wide receiver by such an unbelievably slim margin. It's not like Jerry Rice. So in that sense, why is it good to be less entertaining? I don't know that it is. Aside from the fact that the teams that usually have those studs kind of suck for some reason. It's better to have groups, you know? Hopefully the Packers can fill that void a little bit, especially with the defense. I don't know if it's going to be a thing, but maybe. Hopefully the Packers are entertaining this year. Let's say that. Hey, Ryan. This is Jim from Arkansas Calling. Hey, Jim. Hey, uh, got a question for you. Perfect. I am going to be taking my son uh, for his birthday to the Packers-Chiefs game at Arrowhead. Nice. Uh, he's going to be wearing the Jordan Love jersey. I'll be wearing my Aaron Rodgers jersey. Oh, boy. And uh, it's going to be his first game. So my question is, do you think we should go there and try to tailgate outside of the stadium? Or do you think we should hit the uh, Brazilian steakhouse oh, before we get there? Yeah. And there's no Brazilian steakhouses around where I live, so we never really get to go there. Uh, we both love meat, and I uh, think it'd be a great opportunity to, to eat at one. So, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Talk later. I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be both. It's got to be both. I don't know how early they serve dinner. Most of those places have lunch, and it's the same thing, and it's just a cheaper price. So it, it's it's I don't understand why I guess, but um, find a way to do both because because it both of them are experiences that I don't think you should miss. You shouldn't skip tailgating. Now you can't do like an all day tailgate, but just to bring in the sights and sounds and, and the environment, walking through the crowds of people that are having a good time, maybe hit the lunchtime uh, Brazilian steakhouse thing. You know, double check that they have that and that it's still like an all-you-can-eat steak bonanza. But load up on some meat. It's a great experience. He's going to love that. You're going to love that. And, um, yeah, head to the stadium. Go hang out with some Chiefs people. I'm sure they're going to be cool. I don't think they really have a reputation that's negative, especially when you got a kid with you and you're you're cool with them. They'll be cool with you and just hang out, have a good time. It's a preseason game. It ain't that serious. I think that'll be fun. I think that'll be a really fun experience for uh, for you and your kid. And that that is my recommendation. Both. Hey, oh, Pack Daddy, Jacob here. Um, just wondering, as a few uh, preseason games have finished, as a lot of the uh, kind of bowl, you know what, has uh, faded away. Yeah. What are your starting lineups, or I should say, your your locks for making the team for the cornerback position, the edge position, and the O line position? I feel like those are the three positions that we're not exactly sure there's a lot of um, you know going around and around we're not quite sure who's going to be the starter who's even going to make the team so if you could let us know that would be great go pack go bye that's tough at first i thought you said quarterback and i'm like are you being serious right now but i'm i'm assuming it's cornerback not quarterback um again part of the issue is i'm reading it as you're saying it probably sounded like cornerback, but because I read quarterback, that's what I heard. Um, all right, so you want to know, cornerback is super hard, man. We're talking locks. I mean, Razul, Stokes, Savage, or not Savage, uh, Jair, 100%. Uh, Shamar, I think, is an absolute lock. 
he's been a stud. He's getting plenty of opportunities, the whole nine yards. I, I think that's that's pretty well locked up. I don't think there's any other locks. We got Ento, we got Gafford, we got Cross, who's new and probably not going to make it, but you got Keandre Thomas, you got Keyshawn Nixon. If we're going based on opportunities, Keandre Thomas is the guy that stands out by a mile. Um, Shamar Jean Charles, 91 snaps. Keandre Thomas, 81. The next highest is 59 for Rico Gafford. Now, lots of opportunities doesn't necessarily have anything to do with making the team. It might just be we really want to see him and we want to try him in different things or whatever, but that would be, I mean, it's 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 miles ahead of, of everybody else. The other thing, obviously, is special teams. And the one guy that stands out heads and tails above everybody else, at least in terms of PFF grade, I don't know if the Packers agree, but KB Anento is a, a stud. He's, he's actually like one of the only quote-unquote studs on special teams. There, there's a few others, but he's the only corner for sure. Ray Wilborn and Vernon Scott are the only ones with 70 or, or higher grades. But I don't know that he's necessarily a lock. And, and, and I don't know that Keandre Thomas is necessarily a lock either although they have given him quite a few opportunities on special teams as well. So I, I would put a, a circle around him in pencil, but I, I can't call him a lock. So, uh, yeah, you got your starters, and then I would add Shamar, and I don't think anyone else is necessarily a lock, at least in my opinion. Uh, what else did you say? The edge position. Rashawn, Preston, and Garvin, I think are 100% locks. And, and again, Garvin, like seven snaps this past week, I, I think he's getting bubble-wrapped. Um. Kingsley's a lock. He's not going anywhere. I, I really don't think he's going to get thrown on the practice squad. I, I don't think that'll happen. The I want to say Tipa's a lock, but you look at it and say, we're at four right now already. Are, are, are we? How many are we going to do? And Hamilton has been pretty great. So if we know Garvin and Kingsley and Gary and Preston are in there, I don't think we can officially lock anybody. We can't. We, we can't know they're going to carry six. That's obviously not a thing we can know. So I I really want to believe Hamilton and, and Tipa are very likely to make it, but at the same time, kind of seems like it's not very likely that they make it. So those are the four I would say are pretty locked up. And then I think your last one was offensive line. I mean, you got the obvious Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Royce, Elton Jenkins, uh, Zach Tom, Jake Hansen is, is a lock. He's our Lucas Patrick this year. He's our backup guard, backup center, Yash. And uh, I think that's it for locks. I think the other guy that that likely makes it is Cole Van Lannen. Sean Ryan, I don't think does. Um, may I mean, maybe they'll try to carry him because he's a third-round pick. I don't know the likelihood that somebody would try to steal him. Maybe they would, and we have to carry him. That could be, in which case Cole Van Lannen probably does not, which is fine. But I, I don't really know because I, I can't remember the last time we had a third-round pick that was doing so poorly, that's <laughs> going to be considered kind of a long-term project. So the initial five, Zach Tom, Jake Hansen, Yash Nyman, and that's what I got for locks. Very, very outside shot for Caleb Jones. I don't think so. I think he's more developmental. He's looking great, but there's no reason to rush him. Michael Manette, I think, is is out. Uh, Ty Clary's already gone. Rasheed Walker, I think, is a, you know, stash him, you know, develop. It could take two, three years to develop the guy. He's he's hopefully the next Yash Nyman, but, you know, obviously not this year. Hey, Ryan. Justin. So I need some help. Um, I have a friend. We play Madden together sometimes. And everywhere on the field is four-down territory for me, which means he, and I usually make it. So that means he's usually on defense for a lot of the game. 
think whines all the time about it because being on defense. So what do I do about that? And the thing is, this is why I need the help because he normally wins. So I'm not sure why he's complaining all the time. It just makes for a longer game, I guess. I don't know. How do you, what do you do about with a friend like that? Give me some help. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I think it's, I, I can, I can feel that because I've, I've experienced, I haven't played Madden and I mean, this is like what me and my friends used to do in middle school, but I remember those kinds of things. The, the only thing that's weird is I thought everybody did that in Madden. Like that, that's like the, that's, that's just an understood thing. You always go for it on fourth down. I, I even remember that commercial John Madden was in. There's, it's one of the funny, one of my favorite commercials ever. Cause it, it just so encapsulated like the, the Madden community and that the, the actor was hilarious and it had John Madden. It was just awesome. I think the guy was uh, going to go for it like on fourth down on his own 20 or something. John Madden pops up. You never go for it on fourth down. And it pan, pans back to the guy with the controller in his hand. He's just shaking his head yes, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing it. I love that commercial. I was trying to find it on YouTube. I cannot find it. I don't know. If you, if you can send it to me, if you find it and can send it to me, you'll be my hero for the rest of my life. Um, but that's, I mean, that's what you do. That's what you're supposed to do. You go for it on fourth down. You better be, be a man about it. You coward and punt. Who punts in Madden? And beyond that, and, and again, I remember these, these arguments, so I get it. But you can't call somebody stupid if they're able to convert. You know what I mean? I know, I know it's, it's one of those things where you get frustrated because it's like, you're being stupid. You should never do that. Everyone knows it. You're an idiot. But then you got to back it up and make them look stupid. And if you can't do that, then you just got to kind of shut up and eat it. You know? So I, I don't know. Let, let, let people do stupid stuff. They want to do stupid stuff. And if you're going to beat them, beat them. If you're not, you're not. I don't know. I don't, I don't have advice for you. I just, just play Madden. I don't understand why, you know, especially as grown adults, if you're still throwing temper tantrums about Madden and you're an adult, that's a little weird. Just saying. Got a call from Joe. Uh, I said I wasn't going to take any more Joe calls that were, you know, about the whole situation. But sandwiched in between the situation is a question. So we'll, we'll, we'll allow it. Hey, Ryan. It's Joe. Joe. Janitor. How you doing, man? Um, so I did... Uh, Go home and tell my wife that I lost my job on Friday. Good man. Um, well, I told her on Friday that I lost my job. Um, it uh, didn't go over too well. Yep. The um, last couple nights, I uh, I slept on my cot <clears throat> in my garage, and um, I just got my cell phone back now. So, uh, yeah, needless to say. I missed the preseason game, so um, how did it go? Question mark. Did uh, Romeo Dobbs do well? Question mark. Um, yeah. So I'm still contemplating what I'm going to do with my last paycheck. Um, anyway, thanks. Shalom. Shalom. All right. So, again, sorry about all this. It sucks, but you did the right thing. You told her. You ripped the Band-Aid off. Good man. The worst part is over. As far as what to do with your last paycheck, I would hang on to that for dear life. If what you mean by I don't know what to do with it is, should I buy a jersey or go out to eat? Uh, no. That goes in the bank, and it's going to help pay bills because, you know, it's going to be a struggle until you find a job. So, pretty simple answer to that. You throw it in the bank, and you leave it there, and you don't touch it. How did the game go? It went very well. Um, the defense didn't look 
as amazing as I hoped, but they did a great job of doing what you need to do, which is don't let them score points and don't let them score more points in your offense. And they did that. Uh, the offense looked incredible. Jordan Love had his best day for sure. Um, he was lighting it up, making beautiful throws. Got a little dicey. They he, they let him play three quarters. Third quarter got a little dicey because it was a torrential downpour, so it kind of got rough. But uh, Romeo Dobbs was fine, but still drop issues. You know, I mean, it's a, it's the same thing. You watch him and you go, "This guy's amazing," and then you see the drop, and it's like, "Yeah, but then there's that, and that sucks." So that would be that would be the quick summary. And I don't want to spend a lot of time discussing it because I'm pretty sure everyone else listening has probably already uh, seen the game. But see if you can find it. Go back and find it. It's a good game. You'll you'll enjoy it. Hey, Ryan Clayton here. Just wanted to uh, give you a call real quick, man. I had a question. Obviously, Bakhtiari uh, coming off the pup, things shift around now. I know I called, it's funny, I called last week and we were talking about Zach Tom and, and what the final offensive line product might look like. Well, now that Bakhtiari's off the pup, let's assume that he's good to go week one. Um, you may have already fielded a call for this. I don't know, but just wanted to get your take, man. Who do you think your top nine would be seeing that the Packers carried 9.2? Uh, offensive lineman the majority of the year last year I've got Bakhtiari, Najman, Runyon, Ryan, Myers, Newman, Hanson, Jenkins, and Tom. Obviously that puts Cole Van Lennon out but like Jacob pointed out on our podcast this week um, Cole Van Lennon had a really good pass grade if I remember correctly and uh, Rasheed Walker is sunk to the bottom for me now so um, oh the other one Caleb Jones man it's going to be tough do we carry 10? I guess that's the question do we carry 10? Or do we stick with nine uh, in both scenarios? Who do you have making the roster there? Um, do you have maybe a, a Caleb Jones over a Hanson or maybe, a, you know, Cole Van Lannan with that awesome pass, pass blocking grade making the cut? And also, man, Sean Ryan, dude, I, I know he's a high enough pick that there's no way you're going to try to sneak him onto the practice squad, right? Um, yeah, a lot of things there. I apologize, but just want to get your take on the offensive line now that Bakhtiari is off puck. Appreciate your time, man. Go back, go. It's funny because that's literally what we just got done talking about. I'm trying to see, go back and see what you said. It sounds like you have the same setup that I have. Um, you said uh, Bakhtiari, Nyman, Runyon, Ryan, Myers, Newman. So that's the starting five plus Yash. And then Hanson, Jenkins, Tom? No, Jenkins is part of the starting five. Who else? Oh, oh, Ryan. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so like I said, you got your starting five. You got Bakhtiari, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Elton Jenkins. Presumably that's going to be the starting five. I, You know, who knows? Either way, those five guys are locked in. I believe Zach Tom will also be there. Because again, uh, you're not going to try to sneak him on, especially as well as he's been playing. Jake Hansen, I, I said, is a lock. Yash is a, not, a lock. And, um, yeah, I, I think you're probably right about Sean Ryan. I don't know that there are a lot of options. Unless it's just going so poorly, you're like, well, we're going to risk it. I don't I don't know. If somebody steals him, they steal him. Oh, well, but I doubt it. So, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Again, I'm trying to think of some precedent for that. And, again, if you take him in the third round, you know there's a lot of teams that really like the guy and would love to take a look at him. And maybe other teams that they think would be a better fit and he can come in and maybe be a solid contributor right away. You, you probably just don't want to risk it. So you're, you're going to have to do that. So, yeah, I think I think that's it. I think that's nine. Um, and so you, you've got two interior guys. You've got a guard. You've got a guard slash center. And you've got two tackles. So you're you're very well covered there. On top of having Elton Jenkins that can play all five positions, Royce that's a guard slash tackle. 
you know, I mean, Zach Tom is probably a guard slash tackle, although they clearly like him at tackle. So lots of flexibility there. Um, we've got three more callers, but I think it's time to get going. It's almost 11 o'clock. I need to get going to bed. Sorry for getting this out so late, but I don't know, man. We had uh, my son's birthday party, and then I had to get the other podcast for tomorrow, and I got to get this one. So it's, it's going to be kind of miserable for me, but you're welcome. Anyways, you guys have yourselves a great night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.